Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. And today we are thrilled to have the LGBT crew uh, from the podcast, Kess, Stacy, and Hollis, to talk all about their journey of the podcast, uh, erotica fiction, um, acting in the LGBTQIA plus space, um, just artistic expression in general. And uh, they're a hoot. <laughs> I absolutely loved getting to talk to them. It was like an actual party. I don't think I've ever had that many people <laughs> on one episode of the podcast. Um so it was, yeah, it was such a blast. I can't wait for you all to hear it. Uh, but before we get to that, we we wanted to talk about a couple of things. And the first thing is that um, with this episode, you know, I've I've become really um, interested in. Uh, learning about language and being intentional and specific with my language and my use of language. Um, and we have some episodes actually coming up to discuss like particular like gender neutral pronouns and and such like that um, because it's really it feels really important. And I noticed so much on this particular episode. I use the word guys all the time. Um and, and so it's been a process of unlearning that word, but it is so ingrained in my vernacular and I, I hear other people using it all the time. And so I, I just wanted to point that out as, um, you know, uh, a learning opportunity that I am still learning and it is my intention to use folks and y'all and other um, gender inclusive words for groups of people. Um, but but in this particular episode, it, it, it was just like pervasive. Uh, so I just wanted to address it because, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's really worthwhile to to look at um, my growth and and also the ways in which I want to improve and I I, I want to um, be more inclusive in in the world and in 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 my speech. Yeah, I was. I'm glad you threw y'all in there as a southerner. I was gonna say I feel like yeah. that's you know thing we get made fun of, but that like we stumbled into maybe being like on a on a good uh, footing with. Yeah, y'all is a great word. More people should use it. So many foreign languages have plural use and, and the English language doesn't as much. Yes. Um, and uh, y'all, it's, it's fun. Everyone can use it. it you, once you start using it, it's just got a fun mouthfeel. Um, <laughs> and it is and it is inclusive because it's just you all. Um, so it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, and I, I think once you start listening to how much you use certain words, it, oh, it's, it's shocking. I mean, it, it really is shocking. It was shocking to me how easily the word guys comes out of my mouth. And, and you know, I think to some people it can sound like, a well, it's not that big of a deal, but um, it is a big deal. It is a big deal to to be intentional and to really think about, you know, why why is why are most of the words masculine and why why do we have to use the that that type of language and so um just about unpacking that for ourselves and and you know sometimes guys works and you know if everybody's on the same page if that's the word that that feels the best then you know go for it but um for me personally it is something that I'm working on and so I did want to highlight it as um 
a, a shift that I am intentionally making. Um, yeah, and and the second piece is that I am. It's my birthday today. Happy birthday! <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's wild. This is my second quarantine birthday. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I I remember uh, the first one. I actually did, I, it took me a second, but I remember our uh, Zoom karaoke night we did for your uh, birthday this time last year. Yeah, it was like right when Zoom birthdays were yeah. the thing. Yeah, and. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It like it feels a little bittersweet because uh, you know I don't think any of us thought it would be more than a couple months that we were in yeah. COVID and quarantine, and now obviously it's been over a year. Um, and and a, and birthdays are a big deal. They were a big deal growing up for me and in my household, and and now it is still a big deal. And it it's strange. It it it, it does feel um, almost like anti climactic and and that is not to say that I don't have amazing humans in my life and friends and family and an amazing partner who is so supportive and loving but it is like yeah it's like that there's like this physical touch component that's missing with the people that I love and and just like community and in-person community you know getting to like really have eye contact with people and and just um yeah, celebrate in a way that isn't distanced or virtual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard. It feels it feels challenging. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have been saying for the past year, you know, my birthday's in June, and I'm just going to, and who knows, I, hopefully, in theory, it seems like we'll, we, we may be more on the outside of it uh, this June. Um, but I've been yeah. like, I'm just going to double up. I'm going to have two birthdays this June. I feel like you can have three next April if you want. Thank you um, so much. Yeah. Or just or just move it, you know, August. Just, uh, you know, know, have your real celebration. I think everyone will be uh, itching to come out and uh, and kind of have that, those memories with you. So, yeah, I think for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it isn't to say that there hasn't been, like, amazing things that happened this year. And I, I do feel, you know, I'm turning 31. And so it's weird because I feel like you turn, like, the beginning of the decade and it's, like, this nuance, like, not nuance, but it's, like, this novelty. Um, And then, and now I'm, like, going to be in my 30s. <laughs> and so I just, like, miss the novelty of being that round, like, even 30. Um. Um, but I will say, like, you know, if if I could have imagined, like, how I was going to transition in life and, 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 like, the amount of creative work I'm doing now and the, the focus that I have on my acting career and voiceover and um, storytelling in general, like, it's been a gift. And this last year has been amazing, you know, it, maybe not maybe not the medicine that I wanted, but um, certainly maybe the medicine that I needed in, in some in some ways. So um, yeah, I do feel I feel grateful for for where I'm at now. And um, 
yeah, another year around the sun. I feel grateful to be here and, and alive, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, and especially sure. to have my health and, and to be, like, financially okay and, and have a roof over my head, which, you know, I know so many people are struggling with, particularly mm-hmm. because of COVID, like, is really important to keep in mind. So um, while I'm having, like, a mini pity party, I do understand <laughs> that I am very yeah, privileged and of that, course. like, yeah. yeah, there is, I, I do have a lot of gratitude and things to be... Um, really grateful for um all right so without further ado enough chat about my birthday um (laughs) which we could talk forever but uh uh yes please enjoy this episode with lgbt yay yay welcome to finding my yum i'm so excited today we have a trio uh from lime gin beer tequila podcast uh, Hollis, Kess, and Stacy, thank you guys so much for being here. It is an actual party. What did I just say? An actual party. <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much Hell for being yeah. here. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear about uh, just more about the podcast and how you guys met and uh, like the insanity that ensues when you all come together and record because I can already tell like just even talking off mic, it's it's such a blast. <laughs> it is. So yeah, no, and we like, we actually started the podcast because Stacy and Hollis and I would hang out a lot and get drunk and we would have all of these conversations that we maybe it's arrogant to say we were like this is this is a really good conversation we're making really good points and like some part of us were like shit we should share this with people like we have it a- was entirely people it was you, no Cass this. it was your idea and you're the one no, who that's was like true. listen we were I have literally a podcast idea no we were sitting in my car in front of the park because we had been at the park uh, with Hollis and yes. we were both sitting in the front seat of my car and I was like, we had some amazing conversation and I was like, oh, we should do a podcast about this. <laughs> As was like, all yes. brilliant podcasts are created. Like I yeah, yeah. need to be heard. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and before we started the podcast and became friends, we all met by working at a really big animal shelter. So that's where we all got to know each other. And I would say that you create really special bonds with people in a traumatic type setting. Um, So we had seen a lot of things together, uh, been through some really hard, some hard shit together too, and some funny shit too, um, that I don't know if I can say out loud, but... I, should I not? Should I not do it? Should I not say it? <laughs> oh, now I want enough. I don't know. Listeners don't want to hear what Stacey <laughs> <has> to say. It... <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's valid. You know what? Yeah, I don't want a content warning, like... Got it. Necrotic thing. So, like, that's fine. <laughs> we'll just keep it at necrosis. Got there it. There you go. Okay. There it is. So... <laughs> That's how we all became friends and just spent a lot of time with each other in the shelter outside of work. And now none of us work at the shelter and we all work in different animal related fields. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And so what is what is like the ethos of the podcast? What what do you talk on it? And what is what is the goal with with sharing your voices? Um, We're trying to explore queer culture. Um, in ways that might not be as obvious to mainstream or straight culture. So we want to like 
touch on topics that are often neglected in mainstream media. Uh, we want to give voices to people who are not often um, lifted, maybe given a given a platform. To. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. And uh, so, what are what are some of those topics that you feel are neglected, or that that like you guys are particularly showcasing or or opening a dialogue in in that way? I think the one we just did with uh, Mercury Stardust, who is a local um, producer of burlesque and drag shows. And we were talking about performative gender, be it in the theater or on the street. And she who, you know, she's this incredible person who came out uh, basically on stage as trans. And she began her transition and she would start like each show saying, I'm a trans woman. Mm -hmm. If I can take a pill to give me, um, you know, estrogen, then who says that gender is binary, you know? So she's got an amazing point there. And we thought that like stuff like that needed to be more accessible than to just the people who are like brave enough to go to a drag show or a burlesque show yeah. at this one very, you know, um, basically it's like the the gay club of the Madison area that survived, you know, long enough to develop a reputation. Sure. Um, and it was kind of voices like that that we really wanted to be heard and experiences that cis presenting people for one reason or another have never considered. And yeah. also looking at to the world from a queer lens, how mm. it's shaded a little bit differently and everything that we do and everything that we are taking in, everything that we're putting out into the world as well, uh, without even realizing it sometimes. So it started with, let's, let's have the gays talk about some topics. And then we realized with this platform and the folks that we know and this wonderful community that we're a part of, there are so many voices that we can have these conversations with and deep dive into so many things and conversations that I take home drunk and then I'm like <laughs> replaying it in in my Try. mind in the bathtub and just like just blown away at how incredible people are because it's really easy to be sinister to be uh, you say I hate people Cynical. but really yes and really <laughs> people are Sinister. Cynical. Cynical is the cynical. word. <laughs> is it cynical? You it's said sinister. sinister. Yeah, bitch. Did I stutter? The fuck? People be sinister as hell. Anywho, my point is that it's really easy to hate people when, in fact, people are wonderful and vast, and the binary is something that's simply a construct. And it should be explored outside of that. And we can have this conversation and get more comfortable. Yeah, I love that. I'm um, I'm actually taking this aiming for allyship class. And one of the, the biggest takeaways from it, and, and I, I think for white, cis, you know, heteropresenting people, we walk through the world, me, I walk through the world and like the the us and and where i am is specifically created to make everything else invisible so like i don't even see the privilege that i have moving through in those capacities and so breaking that down and bringing down those walls and having so much visibility and 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 more dialogue about it i i love that i mean it, it's so necessary and it, it it forces us to really look at 
what are what are these concepts that we've created, right? That are not just inherent and just facts. Um, and and how do we how do we start to like expand those definitions for for everybody? Like not just for uh, you know for a, a particular group of people. Um, yeah, you guys are doing powerful work. I'm I, I, I'm so thrilled to be chatting with you too. And so I'd love to talk about your individual experiences that lend themselves to to also, you know, um, why you're interested in, in bringing this content because it seems like for from what I'm hearing, there is a lack that you have experienced as well, where these conversations just weren't accessible uh, and weren't available. And so I, I'd love to hear about that and and your journeys within within that sphere. All right, Stacey, do you want to start? Let's go. Let's buckle. Hold on. <laughs> Let's dig into it. I'm, I'm grabbing my wine. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, Here it's, we it's go. a part of the process. <laughs> It's part, it's part of my routine yeah it's called self-care <laughs> um so for my experience I for a lot of my life was going from very like asexual to hypersexual and primarily like exclusively in um heterosexual relationships or mm. encounters um and I that just wasn't true that wasn't who I was, but I didn't know that I was queer. I didn't know that I was interested in a lot of people, not just cis men, mm-hmm. until it just, it clicked. Or, like, I felt like I could own it and I could talk about it. Um, and there is, like, I think accidental yeah. shame that happened from my family mm-hmm. where they didn't realize their own biases or that the, the words that they would use or the phrases that they would use were hurtful when I can trace back to being a kid and like, why was I watching the Sandlot on repeat? Because I was attracted to Wendy Peppercorn and Jenny, the Bet Ro- Jen- Benny, the Jet Rodriguez. Like I was that there was some sort of fascination and attraction. And that didn't just spring up one day when I was in my early twenties. So it took, um, like I had hooked up with other people who were not cis men in college. A lot of exploration happens in college. That's how it goes. Yeah. That's yeah. Like the point of college. <laughs> Just be like under every college banner. <laughs> this is the point. Yeah. Explore and socialize. Don't... This is our, our mascot. <laughs> so I, I, I think I, I had my guard let down because of the use of alcohol, because of the use of substances and being out and about and being a pretty, I think I'm a shy person compared to the rest of my family. <laughs> I guess I'm not. Um, but like being able to be social and not only that, um, like it's really easy to go out and like hook up with people. That's very easy for me. Being intimate and sensitive and calm and eye contact with a partner that's really hard that's difficult mm-hmm. and I have a bunch of other reasons as to why that is so it so I have a long-term girlfriend now we've been together fuck like uh, it'll be two years in September nice. and yeah I love her she's amazing and she's uh-huh. so smart and so fucking pretty and just like she's incredible um but we got together because it, my ex-fiance and I who was a cis man cis you know eh, ish um man we had a horrible breakup Mm. and tumultuous as fuck 
And these two can attest to it. It was bad. It was. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It, yeah. So yeah. it. I think we all up, been there, done that with something that's just like, that. well, I did it. I did it. Was, and now it's done. <laughs> there was more than one, like, 2 a.m. text of, like, am I a horrible person or did I, what did I do to deserve this, if I recall correctly? Oh. Uh, I disassociated. I don't know what the fuck happened. Oh, I know that one time he called, he called the police on me because I was like, I'm going to end it. I'm going to end it. And he called the cops and they were like, that's not an emergency. Like, it was just just a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so I then dove into this relationship, but it was because I kept pushing her away. I was like, nope, I'm not doing this. Nope, I need to be alone. Nope, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't like this. No, 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 no. And then I allowed myself to open up and be sensitive and I think that happens, too, with a lot of cis-ish women where you have a really bad breakup with a, a man and then you find I, – I can't be the only one to have had this experience. So my coming out has taken 28 years, and I still don't have a label. I don't feel entirely cis. I don't feel entirely really anything except I know that I'm attracted to a lot of people and the best label I can think of is being queer. So bisexual doesn't really feel right. Queer feels a little bit better. And um, yeah, I just like a lot of folks. And it's been it's been almost three decades of finally having an answer and having hard conversations too with my family and them mm -hmm. uh, letting letting me talk about my sexuality in a way that's not just about sex. And that them understanding it's not something I'm making up. I didn't suddenly just decide this. It's not because of my breakup. It's this has always been here. And I did not have the proper tools to be myself. Yeah. Um, I felt the same way. I had a, a pretty traumatic breakup and a tumultuous relationship. And it led me not only to this podcast, but like an incredible amount of exploration of being like, yeah. oh, I... I don't want just this monogamous hetero relationship like that. That doesn't actually fit what I'm interested in. And so, yeah, yeah. thank you for sharing. What was the predominant like messaging around sex and sexuality when when you were growing up and like through throughout, um, you know, the first 28 years where where you yeah. didn't have as much access to the other parts of you? It was. um it was either not talked about or like kind of slut shamey of my parents not having the proper tools to express concern. So it came off really aggressive. Um, I'm, I, I'm born and bred from like angry Italian bog people who just, it's, you know what page you're on with someone and yet the silence is still so cutting and it, mm. I love my family, but it's complicated. Every sure. relationship is complicated. So my dad was, is the uh, father of three daughters, daughters, um, and to him, he was he didn't want anyone to get pregnant. He didn't want anyone to fall into using drugs. So we would have kind of a shame based Got it. upbringing, yeah. but but it wasn't religious. Never went to fucking church. I. I don't know what happens when you walk into a church. Do you, <laughs> do you burn up? I don't know. I don't know her. 
I'm a Jew, so I don't know. Probably. (laughs) Listen, I know that there's there's myrrh. I always it always comes back to myrrh for me. The smell of myrrh is like it it freaks me out. So, um, it was it was the polar opposite ends of the spectrum. So I'm not talking about it and then being like, nope, that makes you a slut. Please don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I was actually, I was talking to Hollis a few days ago when we came over here to, to Kessa's house to record. Um about how my mom walked in on me and my first boyfriend, but we weren't having sex. I was bent over doggy style and had lingerie on, and we all had to eat dinner together while she's crying. Oh and my she God. had to drive she had to drive him home and she was crying. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. And it took ten years for me to be like, Mom, can we please talk about that time? Because that was bad and him and I are still friends and like we talk on snapchat and I was like do you remember this he's like Stacy I literally blocked that out because it was so fucking traumatic of course I remember it are you stupid I was there my dick was out and your mom saw it and it was terrifying so I had she's like crying I just had this like that's like the under that's the score of the and she made scene. my favorite meal and it, and of course, the meal sounds like wet ass pussy in the pot as she's like stirring it. Um, so I had like good sexual encounters as like a young person, but then some traumatic moments that just they creep into your mind every now and again. Yeah, like you know when you're trying to masturbate and you're just trying to focus, and then you're like, "What if I, I'm gonna think about my elderly neighbor?" And you're like, "Oh my god, get out!" Like, yep, get your rake out of here. Yep. <laughs> ah, so. It's, I definitely, I, <laughs> I'm glad that now in my older age, I can talk about these things with my parents and with my family, but that was the conversation was you're a hoe. And you know what? I am born and bred bitch. Hey, me too. You know I what? Know. Yeah. I Cheers. fucking love it. I like, I, yeah. I, I remember growing up with the the number, like how many people you've slept with. It was like a very important number. And and now I'm like, I just want that to be bigger and bigger. <laughs> you know? I, I could buy a really nice shovel from Menards with my number if it was a dollar amount. I love that you would buy a shovel. <laughs> to bury all those men with. That's what I was just thinking. Like, yeah. <laughs> Digging some graves here. <laughs> I am obsessed with death. That's so true. Um, so thank you for letting me share all of that. Yeah, thank you for sharing. <laughs> Cass, are you ready? Yeah. I'm ready. I actually like uh for reference, I was born in 1985. So when I grew up, I grew up in Idaho in a very oh. small town. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. We called it Whitaho. Because there were no black people in the state. Um, and when I was like five or six years old, I remember, and this is actually a repressed memory that just came up like in the past two years. Um, oh, wow. But I remember walking up the driveway with my dad and I had seen so- like something on, it was like Blossom or Clarissa Explains, like something like that. And they had been wearing like a bow tie and suspenders. And I told my dad that I wanted an outfit like that. And he freaked out. He called me a lot of really horrible things. He said people like that, meaning cross-dressers or transvestites, um, he used a lot less nice terminology, um, are are child abusers and rapists, and you don't want to be like that. 
so my yeah my first experience with trying to dress outside of my binary my you know assigned gender was oh I'm a bad person so I ended up repressing a lot of shit um and when I was a kid even you know my parents divorced not long after that for (laughs) many other reasons Uh, (laughs) props to my mom for making that choice because she was miserable um but for a long time, like growing up, I would say, I hate being a girl. I hate all of these, you know, dress more ladylike, act more ladylike, don't belch, don't climb trees, don't tie up your skirt so you can run faster, crap like that. And it made me so angry that I had been shoved in this box based on my sex organs that I was born with. And I, I always felt like I was doing it wrong. Like I wasn't good enough to be a girl. I was I was failing at being a girl. And I never knew until I was in probably my 20s that there were other options, uh, so to speak. There were a, there was a terminology for people like me. Um, and, you know, I grew up in this very like, again, kind of as, you know, Stacy ran into a very slut shamey environment of like, if you're gay or if you have sex with anyone, like you're a whore. It was a very like small town with very judgmental, small minded people. So I never had the bravery to like really step out and look at why I was so desperately unhappy with with myself and my life experience at that point. Um, so I didn't have any of these options or opportunities that I think kids do these days you know kids these days have it better um in this case it's actually true Um, because you know now there's the internet like when I came out (laughs) the internet was for uh playing solitaire and chatting with catfishing strangers on aim before AOL yeah yes I came out to my library card. Can yeah. I keep a secret? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, I didn't even start questioning any of this other than why am I so bad at being a girl mm-hmm. until I was probably in my mid-20s and somebody introduced me to the term genderqueer. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a thing. And they're like, yeah, it's a thing. You haven't heard of it and I'm like no uh and you know from there I kind of I did start looking back at all of my life experiences and going oh 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 this all makes so much more sense now and you know making friends with with people who were not um on the binary was also a huge step in that you know I had always had friends that were gay I was in musical theater you know from a fairly young age um and but my idea of gay was kind of flouncy because mm-hmm. gay men in theater, unfortunately, a lot of times are kind of flouncy. Uh, and but that was the limit of my experience with it, you know, with anything beyond cisgendered, you know, heterosexuality or homosexuality. Um, so once I finally kind of figured it out, and I was like, oh, there's there's things like being genderqueer or just queer or being agender and there was suddenly all of these options for me and it was almost sad because I mourned my younger self who just did not have this sense or idea of who I was who was like struggling so hard to be something that I wasn't and it was kind of sad but also really liberating to say oh god there's there's something that describes me I'm not just 
a fucked up like miss you know uh misprogrammed human <laughs> Uh, so for me, putting things out there that people may not experience or understand is super important and beneficial, I think, to society in general. Um, my spouse, my husband grew up in a very conservative Christian household, also in Idaho. Mm. And when we talked about my coming out as uh, bisexual and non-binary, um, he had a lot of questions and he was very discomfited because like, if if you're non-binary what does that make me you know and it was like am i gay and no you're not gay because you don't want to suck anyone's dick uh right (laughs) so you know it was like even my own experiences i think are influencing his point of view and he's the kind of guy who if i give him a scientific american article on you know um how transgender people more accurately represent their chosen gender than that of their biological sex, he's going to read it and say, oh, that's where the science is. Cool. I believe it. Instead of falling back on this very religious upbringing. So I think exposure is the biggest part of um, helping people understand who they are, but also understanding who other people are. Yeah, I think, uh, um, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I think it's really interesting because there. I feel like there's two sides of the coin. One, exposure is huge in, in giving people permission to, to live in the most authentic way. And now that we have so much more language that allows people to express outside of these binaries in every facet of life that we live, right? But then also the people who are fighting so hard against the exposure because it brings up all of this stuff inside that mm-hmm. makes them uncomfortable right like yeah it's I know, hard yeah it's hard it's really hard so and it's um, self-work which like a lot of people don't want to do because they're right. comfortable with you know the regular routine and yeah. anything that's outside of their comfort zone they kind of instinctively avoid because that's how human brains work we don't like things that are uncomfortable or that challenge us or our viewpoints but yeah. there, and you know what there's so much more to life than just being cis and going to Applebee's every Saturday. <laughs> Applebee's. So much oh, more. Jesus. But in all in all seriousness, I think um, the scary part for folks is now that we have more language, they think that this is a new idea. Mm-hmm. When really, <laughs> since the beginning of human existence, these have been, this has been present. So just because we now have the language doesn't mean that we're reinventing the wheel. The gay wheel, the queer wheel's been around. It's been around. rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate you saying that. Yes, 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 absolutely. Oh, my God. Historically speaking, in, like, every culture, it is absolutely present. And we just, like, don't like to to, to showcase that. So, yes, thank you for um, for pointing that out. Absolutely. Uh yeah, and so so then I, I am curious because of how you've talked about the like the environments that you grew up in and your families and stuff. Like, what has been the reaction to the podcast of talking about these things in a pretty public, visible way? My parents well, don't listen to it. Okay, I mean, I don't I don't talk to my dad uh, these days, so he doesn't get to know that part of me. Sure. Um, my mom, I, you know, I think I told her that I was doing it and she was like, oh, I don't know what that is, but I'm glad you're having fun. You know, like very totally, like disconnected, yeah. supportive mom sort of vibe. Oh, so good. yeah, my, um, I have two older sisters and then um, 
So it's funny because my sister's names are Dana and Justine, and then Dana's married to Dan, and Justine is getting married to Justin. So um, they do that on purpose. That's amazing. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just... Sadly, it was on accident. <laughs> um, so I have basically two sisters and two brothers, um, and. My sister Justine is a little bit more conservative, which is funny because she minored in women and gender studies, but like in 2005, so we can't really trust that. (laughs) Uh, So she was like, send me your podcast, bitch. And my other sister was like, just Google it, you fucking idiot. You can find it. (laughs) (laughs) So like they know that the podcast is out there, but honestly, I think my family, each member, I don't give a fuck if they listen to this, each each of them individually is so goddamn self-centered that they're not going to like... They're not going to process it. And that's not an insult. That's just a fucking fact. Like, that is the fact of the goddamn matter. So they are, they are aware of it. And they're not surprised because I've always, when I'm aware of something about myself, I'm very open about it. So once I became aware and had the words to describe myself and to have these conversations, it's not a surprise that it's now in a public platform. Because these are things that do need to be talked about. And I also told them, too, like, I get into some pretty heavy shit, things that I will say to your face, things I have said to your face, things that I've said during Thanksgiving after a bottle of wine. So if you don't want to listen to it, <laughs> that's fine. So I would I would encourage them to listen to it or even to listen to or watch this. Um, I just can't handle like the, like the, the middle of the day text that's like, call me. And then like having, and then like having hurt feelings about something when there's nothing to be heard about. And I've talked about it before, but one of my sisters got really, really fucking mad at me that I didn't say that I was dating Rachel and she made it about her and felt that like I was withholding and that I couldn't trust her. And it really, it's just like, it's not about you. It's about me and my journey. So I, And we were able to have a nice conversation with a COVID safe campfire. My family's in Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was really nice to have that conversation. But that doesn't mean it's squashed. So mm-hmm. it's like if I die, if I die, like at my funeral, it'll be a topic of conversation of <laughs> about all of this fucking shit. So like it's never going to be solved. Got it. It sounds like you have a like a Jewish family without the, the Judaism, without like the religion the guilt, <laughs> uh, built in. It's, it's um like Polish, Russian, Jewish, and then Italian, totally. um some uh South American, and my mom is very English, and yes, so like there's something about being from Chicago that's like fuck you, and that's that's a greeting, and that is yeah. a yeah that's my family (laughs) amazing um so uh so the podcast is one of your like creative expressions and I know that you both have other creative expressions that I'd love to get into so Kes you do a lot of fan fiction erotica and I would love to hear all about that because I think that is so fun and fascinating Yes, um, I have been writing fan fiction and erotica since, oh God, probably like 1998. Um, and it's one of those uh, platforms that really, and I don't know if we've ever aired the episode that we recorded about fan fiction. I don't think we have. Um, I think but basically, we were too drunk 
and you were Hollis pretty drunk. Was like, I Hollis can't was edit like, this. Mm, nah, we need to redo it. None of this um, makes sense. So <laughs> I was talking about the fact that fan fiction really became mainstream um, in the seventies um, with like Star Trek, like the first uh, couple seasons of yeah. Star Trek. And there were these uh, generally cis white women who were writing fan fiction about uh, Kirk and Spock falling in love. And, you know, and it was kind of precious and pure in that it was a like a gay romance, which there was no content for in the 70s and and 80s. Um, And, you know, they were exploring um, relationships. 60s. Yeah. God, I don't I'm I'm bad with years. I don't even know what year it is. Um, time is irrelevant. Yeah, time means nothing. It's not linear. Uh, <laughs> we'll come back to this. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, like it was it was used as like this way of exploring. Like you have this character who purportedly doesn't have human emotions in Spock, and you have this hypersexual character, which was Kirk. And I think that was really appealing to people in that you could explore an asexual character and a sexual character and put them together and just like mash them together and see what happens um so you know that was kind of the start of it but with my own experiences it was i don't like how this story ended or i don't like how this relationship happened i'm gonna rewrite it for myself and there was some old boards like fanfiction.net where you know you could just post up stories about random anime or tv shows or whatever and write fan fiction about these characters and it had become this very early on it became a way to explore and um expose other people to experiences that they may not have had um or to explore you know sexual experiences that most of these young people had not had um uh, I am very good at writing gay sex. Uh, I've never been a man who's had sex with another man, but I did my research and I maybe I flatter myself in that saying that I'm quite good at uh, at, at uh, depicting a romantic sexual encounter between two men. Uh, but, you know, it was something that you could kind of explore that was outside of yourself, but it was in a safe way. Um, there's people who write about rape fantasy or rape situations that um, can explore that in a safe, you know, non-harmful way. Um, so, you know, I kind of approached fan fiction as a way to get out all of my like frustrated sexual tendencies, uh, you know, definitely as like a young person who I didn't understand like a lot about the world or sex, but I knew that I had these very strong feelings about it. Mm. And I just needed to like put them in these characters and make that happen almost like a little puppet show, you know, Mm. Um, because it was easier that way. There was, you know, these characters that had been pre-made for me, they had their own Mm. um, personalities and backstories and history and everything like that. So it was just like, it's kind of like a plug and play, you know, you can just like, take this quality content and plug it into this character. There you go. Now you're writing a story. Uh, so for me, fan fiction was a very fun and like liberating sort of way of stepping outside of my own known sexuality and preferences and experiences and really digging into things that um, I had never tried. And to this day, things I've never done, probably won't ever do, or to kind of play with things that I might want to do. Uh, and don't know yet. Um, So there's a lot of room for just improvisation and play and like feeling safe while exploring these sexual ideas. 
Yeah, so um, one clarifying question, and I don't, if, if you can't answer this about all fan fiction, but is it all sexual in nature, or is there fan fiction that is just, like, I don't know. Not at all. Um, a lot of it is sexual in nature, um, but I think that's just a function of humans being sex- sexual beings. Sure. Um, and we like talking about sex. Um, a lot. I've read so much fan fiction. It's that's about the interpersonal relationships. There's, you know, mm. G-rated fanfics that are about falling in love or about realizing that you have something in common with someone else that you previously thought you had nothing in common with. So I think fan fiction authors are honestly some of the best authors in the world. We have we have that spectrum of the best, but also the worst. <laughs> sure. uh, and, you know, I think it's an easy way of just plugging yourself in as a writing exercise and say, I just, I don't want to think too hard about where these people come from. I just want to write this human experience. Um, it can be about body horror. It can be about experiencing your own life and like changes to yourself and how people around you or around this character would react. Um, and it really digs, I think, more into the human psyche than a lot of people who are doing it even realize. Yeah, interesting. And so then as far as your exploration within it, um, it like to me, it almost seems like there's like a community that's created and like a, a, a world that you can step into. And so is this like a collaborative thing? Like, was it also a way for you to find other stuff that you might be interested in or or like learn new information? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Actually, a lot of people get into the kink community because of fan fiction that's what i was gonna say it sounds yep. like a writing version of like kink parties and sex yeah parties yeah and exactly and and the nice thing too is like if you want to like it it's easy to find the authors who you can tell know what they're talking about um and then the authors who are like i'm just gonna bullshit my way through this which is fine like if that's what sure. you want to write that's what you're gonna write um but there's so many good authors who write about like consent and what is a abusive BDSM relationship versus what is a non-abusive BDSM relationship. And like one of the tags that you can find on like the current platform is archive of our own. And you can sort by like what fandom you're in and you know, what pairing you want to see male, 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 female, anybody doesn't matter. You can sort by these two particular characters, whatever. And People are really good at, you know, saying, oh, this is going to be hurt comfort, which is like, it hurts at first, but it's going to get better. And Oh, interesting. I think yeah. a lot of things should have that label. <laughs> yeah, right. And, it, and I re- actually really love it because it tags like things that could be triggering to people. So like, you know, if there's rape in it, it's going to say like rape, mm-hmm. non-con uh, warning. So if you don't want to read it, you don't have to. I fucking wish novels had that kind of shit on the cover because there are so many books oh, I would really? not have read if I knew. Oh my you god, know, me too. Miscarriages, abortion, whatever, anything controversial that that could distress someone, like we tag it. We're not gonna not write it because maybe that's healing for some people. Maybe it's whatever. Um, but we don't want someone to come into it and then leave traumatized. And I think that's one of the really great things about the fan fiction community is it provides a lot of um, kind of like collaborative care for each other in that we're like, we're letting you know exactly what you're getting into. 
I love that. Um, yeah, it's such a mirror for the King community as well of like heightened communication and heightened boundaries mm-hmm. and awareness of other people, um, which is amazing. And so has your expression of writing fan fiction is it fan fiction slash erotica or have you like is that a totally other aspect of your um, expression? It can be both and it can be neither or one or the other. Um, I have written original works that have gotten rejected by a lot of publishers simply for the fact that it is uh, gay erotica and, you know, and explores things like assault or murder or whatever, because that's an overarching part of the story. Um, I've written the same things as fanfic, like not the same story, but the same, you know, points in a fan fiction and just put it up online and had people be like this is fucking amazing um or you can just write fanfic that has nothing to do with sex i wrote you know a really short like just kind of light fluffy piece about this character that people like who's like kind of this gruff cowboy character and he goes to a state fair and meets a rabbit and can't handle the idea of it being a meat like eaten for meat so he buys it and takes it home and is like learning how to take care of it as a pet which is like a personal experience I have and I wanted like a way to kind of share that experience with other people but using this cowboy character as like a you know it's not that it's not manly to love cute fluffy bunnies you can do that in a manly way you can do that in a masculine way and still be this you know badass type of person uh but even badasses have soft sides yeah. And so um, how has your expression of this fan fiction you're writing evolved since you were younger when you were writing it? Like, has it has it changed with your own preferences and your own exploration? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's changed with my my own like world experiences, too. Mm. Um, when you're writing something as a 14 year old or a 13 year old, it's gonna be pretty basic. Yeah. Um, no offense to the amazing authors that are 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, but that's, you know, it very much reflects your own life and your own lived experiences. Um, so as I've grown, I've become a better author just in general. Um, mm. I have Uh, some amazing people who are like do you want me to read that for you and give you thoughts and opinions and it's kind of like being an editor and I'm like yes please thank you Um, and you make that conscious choice of am I just writing something to like get off something smutty something like real sexy one and done that's it or am I writing this fucking opus that's going to cover 20 chapters and follow this whole character arc so you can really be more mindful about it And take your own lived experiences and say, I have this trauma. And for me to work through this trauma, I'm going to help my character work through this trauma. And so it can be really healthy and healing uh, in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, I love that. And I I mean, I think all art can provide that kind of self-healing and healing for others, right? I mean, I think that's what storytelling and art is for, is to create that cathartic release and give other people the permission to to also heal through that. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, I'll have to, is there like a website that you post on all the time that I can check this out? (laughs) Now I'm really- Yeah, so (laughs) it's archive of our own uh, is where I post. And, you know, if you like- I know things about Marvel and I would like to see more about Marvel. You can literally just choose Marvel as like your tag and it'll pull up everything that's that's under that Marvel tag. So there's a lot of uh, interesting things. My, uh, my author tag is uh, Kestrel Sama, S-A-M-A. And uh, it's, you know, 
one thing I almost forgot to mention that a lot of people have brought up to me is that they had similar experiences with fan fiction in that they discovered asexuality, bisexuality, pansexuality mm -hmm. through fan fiction. And that's so cool to me. It's just another one of those platforms to learn more about yourself. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And there's no, I mean, you mentioned like going to a publisher uh, into like the wide, the wider spectrum, I guess, um, of, of media or, or, you know, um, I don't know more of, I don't even know how to term the, it, but the, the official levels of, uh, publication. Yeah. 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 <laughs> bullshit, bullshit, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. like, but I think it's cool in this community that like, there are just no rules other than being mindful of labeling mm -hmm. and, and, and conscientious of other people's boundaries yep. and interests. And that that is just like such a breeding ground for creativity and to, for sure. to flourish and acceptance. Which Absolutely. Is so cool. Um, amazing. Thank you for sharing. And so Stacy, you're an actor, right? And so yeah. um, I'd love to hear about your journey with expressing your sexuality on stage and, and through your craft as well. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I started acting um, when I was 12 ish. Yeah. Um, I, it started like when like I was three and then like really became like stage work when I was 12. Um, and it saved my life, which I'm not going to get into because I'm not going to stop talking about it, as we've now learned in the last hour of talking. Um, so um, it really became more clear my boundaries and what I look for in a rehearsal room and for works mm -hmm. when I was in college. And thankfully, now where we're at 2021, we have more intimacy coaches that are, thank God. And thank God. Oh, thank my God. God. I, <laughs> I've never had, like, a horrible experience where I felt disrespected because I primarily had, actually, uh, women directors who really gave a shit about their actors and how they felt. Mm -hmm. um, and my struggles with intimacy, as aforementioned, are with those silent moments, mm -hmm. with that with eye contact, with a slight movement, subtext, etc. Not so much really portraying a sexual move quickly sure. and ferociously on stage. Um, so I, in college, then was able to realize that not only am I able to to be a sexual person in general, that I am attractive. Oh my god, my friends, what's happening? <laughs> Hollis brought me a beer. That's Aww. so nice. <laughs> That's so cute. Wait, Hollis, can I be next, please? Can you ask them? What did they say? <laughs> they said, they said, fuck. <laughs> um, Hollis loves us. So I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm so no, sorry. No, I, I don't care. That's fine. I love my friends. Um, so it became, um, again, it ties back to my parents, too, that I was in a Timberlake Wurtenbacher production in college, and it was a beautiful piece. It was <laughs> incredible. I have wonderful memories of it. It was the last show I did with one of my friends before he died, tragically, mm -hmm. and there's just a lot of, a lot of power to this piece. Um, and I had to, I played a character called Perfect Love. That was like one of the 20 characters I, I played. 
was oh, a wow. great ensemble piece. And I had stylized sex on stage, which is really hard. It's a lot harder. <gasps> Santa Hollis, I love you. Thank you. You're so pretty and smart. <laughs> uh, so the, the hard part was, though, uh, sometimes you uh, you do you're a stage actor too right do you yeah. do both okay yeah. so you know when sometimes you do make eye, eye contact with an audience member you don't mean to you're not looking for it it sometimes <laughs> happens i'm riding this person's dick and i make eye contact with my father <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so yeah <laughs> my sexuality treasured, on treasured moments <laughs> yeah and him just being like God, what the fuck? Holy fuck. My dad and I look a lot alike too, so it's like it's it's iconic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so portraying intimacy has been a it's been a long journey for me, and I think it does correlate too with what I've been able to figure out about myself. Mm. That I I struggle with tender moments. And it's not that I'm not a tender person or that I don't feel things. I feel a lot of things all the time, but being able to be comfortable with silence is it's difficult. It's a, it's a coping mechanism and in sex too. And in intimacy, it's really important. Like improv. Yes. And yeah. it's, you have to be able to do that with your partner or your partners on stage, off stage, etc. And also in college as well. I I fucked a lot of people, a lot of my friends, a lot of people who I made art with, and it added different layers to what kind of work we were doing. Mm. I, I'm not a big musical theater person. I can character sing, end of list. And I played the mom in Bye Bye Birdie and then fucked the guy who was playing my son, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, a year or two later, a few times. So... <laughs> just theater itself is such it's such an interesting genre of people and yeah. how we interact with each other and what we learn and I I'm still I feel a little bit stunted in the progress I've made as an actor because of COVID because I'm no longer making connections with people in person on stage in a live in a live theater yeah and it's it's difficult all the things that I felt like I had locked down and made real and set goals and the goals that I had been achieving and now it's been a year it's been a year since I've been on stage but yeah. I will say that I did some of my best intimate acting I've ever done over a zoom performance mm -hmm. where it just like I was I was fucking sobbing and it was so I was able to disconnect some part of my brain and my lizard actor brain took over and everything just made sense mm. and it, my girlfriend actually directed me in that piece and life imitates art etc back and forth Rachel and I got together because we were playing somewhat interested in each other two characters in a production that we did two years ago so uh -huh. that that's I didn't realize that until I was thinking last night like fuck what am I gonna say on this podcast uh, what are we <laughs> gonna do and thinking about like um 
it's also important too as an artist to talk about sometimes productions get ruined by castmates fucking each other oh yeah oh my god the dynamic shifts entirely it's and it's normal and it happens but there's a point where if one person's married and the other spouse isn't on board with what's going on, it, like it's, it's, it's interesting how our actor brain is still like, I want to sit on that face. Yep. <laughs> why? Why? Yeah. And I would there, love to hear about your experiences too with that. Yeah, there's just something like in like tantalizing about creating art with somebody and then like also fucking that <laughs> because they're like you're not a real person you're like this art thing that i just like love and then yeah i've had crushes on people like in a show and then we get out of the show and i'm like oh i was totally just attracted to your character and that gets to yes. me <laughs> it's totally yes. fine you know if i ever do a streetcar named desire i am going to be bent over a table by whomever plays Stanley Kowalski. I know it's going to happen. Yeah. I know myself. (laughs) I know this about myself. And then as soon as that's done, the veneer comes off and that's it. So it is theater and art is also exploration and play and consent. And thankfully we are practicing consent in art, in theater, in performance now, because Jesus Christ, yeah. Some of the stories you hear are not great. Yeah. Um, I'm curious because, you know, I found, so I often get cast as um, a sex worker. So I've mm-hmm. I've played, um, yeah, like strippers and then, um, you know, other sex workers. And, I, you know, I found it, it's fine. I, I, um, I love playing sex workers and I would like to play other things. Um, but, but I do think that the content is really interesting and I, I always find it fascinating what it brings up in me too of like, especially as I've done the podcast, my evolution and relationship to to those different jobs has changed so much. And so stepping sure. into that work and stepping into um, that job and that role, like uh, as my sexuality has changed, it's also just fascinating to see how like life you were saying imitates art. And so I'm curious if there's been any, any moments like that that have stood out to you uh, in your journey of like, oh, oh, wow, this is interesting. This is coming up now because um, I, I would like to confront it or, um, you know, it's time to get more comfortable with my body because now I need to, uh, you know, step into a little bit more visibility on, you know, on TV or film, etc. So I often feel like a walking antithesis that um, there is such softness, there's such hardness, there's such... Um, loudness and quiet and that rings true as well with the characters that I get cast as Mm -hmm. um, but also the things that push me out of my comfort zone a one of my favorite productions that I've ever done was Eugene Ionesco's Rhinoceros and I played the lead character of Behringer which I will never do again unless if I'm paid to do it because that is 194 pages of fucking dialogue it's a lot wow yeah it was great I loved it. Um, but what was really powerful about doing that piece was we didn't change the pronouns. So I presented the way that I do. Like I had my hair up in a bun and had a, a button down little thing. Not a little thing. I don't know. It was a big thing. It was a shirt. Goddamn shirt. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> it was a functional piece of clothing that worked as it should. <laughs> Thank you for helping me come to this realization. I appreciate you all. Um, it was really, it was wonderful to present the way that I do, not dolled up, not dolled down, and with uh, he, him pronouns. And it didn't matter for the piece. And I, I loved how that made me feel. Mm-hmm. And there's always a part of me too that I want to be pretty. I want to be perceived as sexy. I want to be perceived as desirable. Insert whatever trauma from second grade. So it's so it's so wonderful to be on stage and not be concerned with how I'm being perceived and not be like my sexuality is not going to be the number one thing that I'm trying to push across. It's not on the agenda. Mm-hmm. So um, I, in being cis ish, that's been a door that's been open to how do he, him pronouns make me feel when I look the way I do. Feels fine. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I did a, this is not compared to rhinoceros on any <laughs> aspects, but, um, I did a fringe play that was called Hamil Kong and it was <laughs> Hamilton, but, uh, set to King Kong and I played King Kong. That's um, incredible. It sounds as insane as it was. Uh, but, um, yeah, and, and there was something really powerful. I agree for the first time, other than voiceover, which I feel like I, I get I get to be like as crazy and weird and even in improv as and yes. not pretty, right? Um, but it was the first time being on stage where it was like, cool, there's no I'm an ape. There's no <laughs> I'm rules. literally an ape. So there are no rules and I don't have to subscribe to my gender at all. Um and yeah. and yeah, like what a cool feeling that is. I would love to talk to you at some point about Fringe Festival cuz I I got some I got thoughts and feelings <laughs> and stories <laughs> and heat stroke that happens and oh my god. Oh my fucking god! Yes, we'll have to chat. I would um, love that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, well, this has been amazing. It has been so delightful chatting with you guys. Um, you folks, it has been—it's uh, just been such a blast. So, how can people find your podcast and check it out? And you guys on social media, Hollis, you are being um, yes. Th- this is your territory. Summoned, yeah. <laughs> And you. not for beer this time. Um, so Thanks, baby. <laughs> you can find us on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and uh, Apple Podcasts at Lime Gin Beer Tequila. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash LGBTpod. Uh, that's also our Twitter handle, LGBTpod. Um, and if you have any feedback, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Uh, good, bad, neutral, new ideas. We love it all at um, contact.lgbtpod at gmail.com. Alice, what's our website? Com. I'm Jim Beard. We got a website, bitch! I've seen it. It looks awesome. Um, and we'll put all of that in the show notes as well so people can see it and and, and then go and talk to you guys. Uh, thank you so much for your time. This is so awesome. Uh, I can't wait to have so many more us. conversations and, and yeah, and, yes. and listen to all of your amazing episodes. So, yay! Thank, thank you, you so much! Woo-hoo. Oh, yeah! Hey! <laughs> 
yeah, we did it. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Kes, Hollis, and Stacy. What a what a pleasure. And just like, a, I don't know, it really did feel like a little bit of a happy hour, um, <laughs> chill time. <laughs> More yeah. so than like a recording, which was awesome. Um, but I feel like I learned a lot and I got to connect with some pretty awesome humans. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, and make sure to check out their podcast. We'll we'll include links in the show notes. I think you can find it on Spotify and everywhere you where you can wherever you're listening to this one. I'm sure you can find it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as usual, please follow us on social media at Finding My Yum Podcast. Um, we post on Instagram and Facebook behind the scenes clips. Uh, join our community. We love to hear from you. We love to hear about potential guests that you're interested in and topics. Um, I've gotten a lot of suggestions, and I love them. And uh, and we're bringing on those guests, so so keep them coming. Uh, and also, we are now on YouTube, so if you would like to watch each episode, you absolutely can. Um, Finding My Young Podcast on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe. We are looking for more subscribers and viewers, and we would love you to be one of them. Yeah, you can go on and judge our backgrounds. This week we have a couple of fun ones for you. Uh, so leave those judgments in the in the comments. Yes, um, please. And, 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 and judge Jerry's dance. Uh, it was great. I loved it. Thumbs up from me. Thank you so um, much. If you want to send a, send a long form review, you can do that at findingmyyum at gmail.com. And as always, uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Oh, my God. My hair is like... Look at this. That's great. <laughs> For you visual people, <laughs> oh, you man. can see this lovely <laughs> little piece flipping out. You do um, not want to miss it. You guys. don't want to miss right it. Now. <laughs> this is like really hot stuff. Um, thank you as always. We are so excited um, to to bring you some podcasts. We're, we're going to shift the format a little bit and go um, every other week just so that we can keep um, bringing on guests that we feel really excited about passionate about and bring the best content possible so please stay tuned there's going to be more exciting um interactive opportunities like uh instagram lives and clubhouse so um stay tuned it's exciting stay yummy we'll see you soon Woo! happy birthday yay <laughs>